Good morning. Welcome to Alternative News from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament, produced at Community Radio Station 3CR, 855am, streaming online at 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. My name is Zachary, I'm in the studio, and my co-presenter, Bree, is phoning in today. We're two of the new presenters on the Alternative News team, broadcasting from stolen Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nations. Today is the second part of our two-part show in debunking some myths surrounding the current xenophobic reporting in mainstream media. Last week we had some facts and we looked at some sources. So today's show we'll be speaking to the Chinese Muslim activist Tia Mo, a union member and ex-Labor member who has written for The Guardian and Crikey in the past. We'll be talking about the impacts of racism and xenophobia on the Chinese diaspora in Australia and possible reasons why mainstream media have chosen to exaggerate problems China is currently facing. We have Tia Moore on the line, so let's get started. The first thing I guess we should probably talk about is when you look at the list of countries that support China's handling of the situation in Xinjiang and then you look at the list of countries that condemn, it's easy to see that like most of the countries that condemn it are Western countries and most of the countries that are defending China's actions are Muslim-majority countries and African states as well. So do you have any opinions as to why it is that Muslim-majority countries are supporting China's actions versus the West condemning it? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, the West, Really, sort of like a bubble, I think, in the West, where they kind of Western media sphere. I'm, I'm sure you're quite aware of when yeah. they really follow, like what the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the Australian case, you know, the Age, Sydney Morning Herald, the News Corp, and a plethora of uh, I don't know um, reporting. Honestly, I'll first start with I don't I don't agree 100 percent with what China's doing there, but people in Islamic countries would actually understand the dangers of having extremists. And they would understand why measures are being taken to reduce such extremism. It, it, it's the equivalent of, like, you know, having feudal crusader Christians going around your country, you know, burning, pillaging, and, you know, committing terrorist acts. And that, that's what they're trying to seek to stop. Yeah, we talked about this in um, the segment last week. We mentioned how part of the reason why they're doing the education camps, whether you agree with it or not, is to also hmm. teach... Uh, Uyghurs their own religion and not like a a violent version of the of Islam, of and, Islam. Yeah. and like this idea that you can have salvation through through violence like you said Christian yeah. crusaders would be against that as well. Yeah, definitely. Like we, we wouldn't um, you know agree with any people murdering others, and and you probably have seen footage of um, you know there's entire Uyghur battalions now in Syria committing war crimes on behalf of um, various factions that, that the U.S. themselves are associated with. And that, that's, the, that's the result of the um, extremism that's been spread through there, like um, through U.S. proxies like Saudi Arabians, you know, the Wahhabism and extremist Islamic ideals. And it, it's, yeah. it's, there's always never been this sort of extremist ideology in China for um, Islam. So it's something very new and kind of scary. Um, especially for, for some of myself, like a, a, a Hawaii Muslim, because um, we've also been kind of kind of secular as well. So it, that's why we, we haven't really spoken up about it. And I think the funding stream goes something like the National Endowment for Democracy, World Uyghur Council, and then down through smaller things like um, 
like the Uyghur Human Rights Organization, and then it sort of ends up in in these more like extremist militant groups, like yeah, like ETIM. I think it's important to note that the same people who push the narrative of a million Uyghurs in concentration camps and their slaves, the same people who push that are funded by the same people who pay for like religious violence in Xinjiang. It's strange as well to see, so the recent ASPI article, the Uyghurs for, for Sale, the fact that that was funded by all these warmongers and, um, like, we- weapons manufacturers. Yeah. And, but then when you when you say, like, oh, check where your source is coming from, these people are bombing Muslim countries. Why do they <laughs> suddenly care about this issue in China? When I try and speak to people about, like, you know, check where this source is coming from, who is it funded by, I haven't had much luck in getting through to people. They say that, that I'm picking at things that don't really matter. Has that been your experience when you've tried to... Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have people quoting themselves, like academics who quote themselves in that article, which I, I think that's kind of a, uh, think, you know, there's a certain thing very diligent in terms of um, processes. You know, it's the same few people. You've got um, people from the, you know, the victims of communism, I think tanks. And you've got the same few sort of, um, you know, reporters of Asian faces that speak on behalf of the Western sort of side of the world. But now, now you know, you didn't really get that far, I think, because of the coronavirus. That's kind of um, overtaken it in the media. That's true. It's just a punch-up, um, basically. It's, it was also very odd how um, the U.S. State Department retweeted it. Like, I think, like, in a few hours later, when he got released on Twitter. The U.S. State retweeted the article. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, Oh, I wow. didn't even know that. Like, why are they working with um, the U.S. State, like, openly working with a think tank that's sponsored by the Australian government, publicly funded? Mm, so the non yeah. the non partisan independent think tank the australian strategic policy institute yeah. is being so closely watched by the u.s state department that when they release an article it's like an hour and then a tweet goes out from the u.s state department it raises a few eyebrows around here let me tell you that much yeah i, I was actually so angry when i saw that or just bowling or anything i mean the amount of bombs they've dropped in um you know not just Muslim countries like you know vietnam um, and all the sort of proxy wars they've had in Central America and South America, it, it's just mind-boggling that even talk about peaceful human rights. It's so stupid. That- yes. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you like freak that up because I don't know if you saw that article that the executive director of ASPI wrote in The Australian. And he was just talking about how, you know, we have to expand the Royal Air Force base in Northern Territory, which is going to cost $1.1 billion dollars. And yeah. we need to do that to, you know, combat Chinese authoritarianism and show that we're, you know, U.S. allies. It's just a way to militarize the area and for yeah. the U.S. to have more reach in Southeast Asia. And they increase the profits too. The, the ASPI's main sponsors, you know. It's so obvious the link there is. And yet no one, no one in the media does talk about it, like, openly, about this huge connection. It's, and they, they, they take that word as gold. Like, whatever they say, they can literally go, like accuse any group of Chinese people of being spies, people just believe it. Yeah, yeah. and this, no this kind of comes into this idea of the West perception of our own media, as in our media is transparent and impartial and balanced, uh, more or less, and Chinese media is totally opaque, a hugely distorted version of reality, and Chinese people have no idea what's going on. I really think that this is a good example 
to show us in our media consumption how we are falling for the, the kind of tricks that we're accusing other states of. Yeah, I mean, um, I can give an example of um, my uncle. He works as a um, liaison officer for Tibetans in the Chinese government. Um, he was openly for Tibetan independence. He even told the government that in Beijing. He didn't get arrested. He didn't get put in jail. They just said, well, we don't agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, like, right. If this was the West, you think everyone in the West would be like, oh, he's probably murdered by now. No, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, we really believe in the West that if you voice any kind of, like, displeasure with the Chinese government, that your life is at stake or, like, you're just going to be gunned down yeah. and you can't voice any kind of different opinions or anything, which just isn't the yeah, case. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, the whistleblowers, like Chelsea Manning, Julian Assange. Um, you can see the repercussions yeah. if you have, if you dare actually speak out um, in the West as well. So it's really... We're really um, jumping through like all these hoops, trying to convince ourselves that we're not doing exactly what we're accusing other states of. Yeah, um, this is sort of, they make it like a social pariah, like, oh, this person's crazy. How could he think that anything like this is happening? Um, yeah. I've spoken to uh, a few people I know who um, are from China. So one of my friends, he's had to deal with all this extra racism. And when he tries to talk to his other friends, like Australian friends, then they'll they just say to him, like, oh, no, like, you're kind of, like, brainwashed and you don't really know what you're talking about. Like, to his face, they just completely disregard his own opinions. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that I'm experience when you try and talk to people here? No, yeah, Australia? no, definitely. I, I had that when I was growing up, and it's, it's actually quite... Um, it's pretty hard to learn uh, mentally because you kind of have to keep your own views to yourself because if you dare speak out, they, they think you're brainwashed, that you're just wrong. So it's just sort of a good thing that anything that diverts divert, divert from that Overton window, nah, this person's crazy. It's hard to stomach it when us in the West claim that out of your 10 Muslim ethnic minority groups in China, out of a total of 55 ethnic minorities, that mm. only one, the Uyghurs, is being subjected to the kind of oppression that is um, that is being alleged. Yeah. In, uh, I think China has, like, pretty comprehensive policy around its ethnic minorities. Yeah. I mean, so basically my family was Hui Chinese, at least my experience. Um, when you get married, say someone in my family who's not Hui Chinese, who's Hui Chinese and marries someone that's not, the person who's not always will want to get the ethnic minority status on their ID card. And an example, maybe a historical example now, is that ethnic minorities um, are exempt from the one-child policy when that existed. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And that, that's, that's like, you know, they're talking about, you know, trying to kill off ethnic minorities or trying to make Han, Han Chinese-ize them. When, in fact, the Han Chinese themselves only had, could have one kid if they were in the cities. Well, ethnic minorities could have more than one children. So how are they eradicating ethnic minorities or letting them breed more? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, the, the way Chinese population, the Uyghur population, has, has steadily increased. It, it, but there's also quite a lot of incentive for Uyghurs to sort of join um, that Mushen Abbas Chia uh, commentator and sort of turn, turn against China. Yes. Because, you know, yeah. you get funding. And the crazier the story is, the more attention you get, you can sell a book and you get all this media attention. So it's very lucrative. You can get, and, like, mad upvoted on Reddit too. You really yeah. Oh, yeah, man. All the karma, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is just—it's weird because it's just like a repetition of all like the what was it? It was like the eating babies or burning babies story that they made about Iraq. There was like they got some like young girl to talk about how all these babies are being tortured in Iraq, and then America went and invaded Iraq, and then it was like, oh no, wait, 
she was just an agent of like an American state. Oh, oh yeah, she was the Kuwait um, ambassador's daughter or something. Yeah, ah uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like the same the same stuff is just happening again, but people they're just kind of like eating it up. They'll believe anything that's put on, um, like the New York Times, just brainworms and telling it. Literally, like I, I was called by a um, SBS reporter um, a few days, a few weeks, months ago actually, and she kept asking me if I was being followed by Chinese um, agents. My son was being held hostage, and I told her no. And then she just uh, literally assumed that I was being, you know, I was in danger, and it, it just didn't make any sense. Yes. And then she said she interviewed yellow Muslim Chinese in um, Australia, and they all gave us an answer. They all, so she thought we were all in some type of danger, and it was just I, I couldn't even. It's no word. It seems like it's a parody, but it's yeah, it is. but it's it happens to be yeah. a reality. So I think that our societies could use a bit of media literacy education. Um, some simple tips might be follow the money. If you're going to criticise China or try to understand China, don't use only Western sources. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I'm, I come from a family that was... Like, my, my granddad was actually a Kuomintang um, officer. So you, you can tell I'm actually not from a communist background family originally. And uh, for those who don't know who the Kuomintang are, they're basically like the, sort of the nationalist in a very fascistic way early 40s that went to Taiwan later on. I, and my, my family were persecuted by the communists, so I have no reason to talk good about them at all. And, and even I, I'm angry at the amount of lies I see on, on the West about what's happening in China. Yeah. 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 So you're like a, the least likely person to be fully brainwashed, yet people will still accuse you of, of that, just being an yeah, agent it, of the Chinese communists. Yeah, I mean, if I was the equivalent, I'm definitely not one of those people, but I would be like the Gusano you know, Cuban dude, who's basically yeah. talking good of Che Guevara and then being accused of um, being a, you know, communist or something. It, it just wouldn't make sense. Well, Timur, um, maybe we'll wrap up here. I think we have quite a lot. Like, thanks for being yeah. so forthcoming. Yeah, no problem, mate. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks so much. See you, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to Alternative News' final segment on Sinophobia, brought to you by the 3CR Community Radio Station on 855am. This has been Zach and Bree of the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament with our guest, Chinese Muslim activist Tia Moore. Listen to our first segment on Sinophobia at 3cr.org.au forward slash alternative news. Any questions you have, please find us on Facebook. Call 0414-352-542 or email peacecentre at CICD. Next up, Concrete Gang. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.